Good evening. Good evening. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you told your disciples not to let their hearts be troubled, and you told them when they were in the middle of trouble and when more troubles were to come. And then you gave them the answer to trouble. Believe in God, believe also in me. Help us with our trouble, the things that trouble our hearts, by drawing us to yourself, by leading us to trust in your power, and leading us to trust in your promise. That no matter what happens, we are safe in your hands. Amen. All right, tonight we have, uh, we're still in the upper room with Jesus and the disciples, and it seems to be after the meal, and Jesus is talking, continuing to talk with his disciples and continuing to teach his disciples. And we have... Right up front, we have another of what I call these golden passages, these parts that we know very well. And uh, John 14 is a very fam favorite funeral text. And today for Donna's funeral, uh, since I thought I'm preparing John 14 for Bible class, I'll use John 14 for her funeral text. Um, so, uh, yeah, think of think of Jesus and his disciples, and uh, remember what just happened. What we were talking about last week. What just happened at the end of John 13. Tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. And then Peter says, Lord, I'll even go to the death with you. And he says, no, you won't. Before the cock crows twice, you will deny me thrice. And so what they were feeling, uh, they were very confused. And with the many times Jesus said, we're going down to Jerusalem now, and this is what's going to happen. And then this at the end of uh, John 13. All of that is the trouble. Uh, and so Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. And let's stop there because four kind of goes with five a little bit more. 
But I want you to reflect on verses 1 to 3. And I'm going to let you reflect a little bit on those verses. What kind of doctrine do you see in these verses? There's some go- there's a lot of gospel in there. His gospel is often connected to a promise, right? Yeah. I see a little bit of law there. Not so much the law that demands something, but the, the law if you're talking about maybe a malady, something bad in the world that Jesus is going to fix. Let not your heart be troubled. Is there a lot of trouble? No. Yeah. Has there always been a lot of trouble? Yes. Yeah. I was telling somebody that what, we're, what we see today, I think that it, some of it's always been there. We've just taken the lid off, and now we see it. All of this chaos, all of this anger, all of this disorder going on. So as a law point, I'd say, yeah, there's trouble. And we have troubled hearts. And maybe as a law that accuses, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Uh, If we we could paraphrase this in kind of a negative way. Uh, Do not let your heart be troubled. You're not trusting enough. That's kind of that's the next verse, isn't it? Or the next part. Believe in God, believe also in me. Only Jesus phrases it as an invitation. But that's isn't that the root of the trouble? We're not trusting enough. Uh, not trusting the promise enough. In my father's house are many mansions. That's that's the traditional rendering. In my father's house are many rooms, uh, dwelling places. The idea is a permanent dwelling place rather than a tent or a shack. Uh, Permanent dwelling. Uh, The part about if I go to prepare a place for you, come back to take you to be where I am. Uh, There's one archaeologist and teacher, maybe you remember we watched some Holy Land videos, Pastor Wenland did some Bible classes quite a while ago. Uh, Ray Vanderland is the archaeologist teacher's name. And he makes a connection between this section I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come to take you to be with me where I am. In my father's house, there are many rooms. He connects this to uh, the marriage customs and betrothal customs at the time. And, uh, well, you remember Mary and Joseph, uh, that they were betrothed. 
or to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife. Uh, and what the, the custom, the wedding custom at the time was, is with arrangements with the families, a bride and groom would be pledged to each other. And that would be the betrothal. And then they would say, okay, a year from now will be the wedding. And meanwhile, the groom would go to his father's house to build out a room for his wife and his future family. So I go to prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me. And that they wouldn't live together as husband and wife until after the wedding, a year hence. Uh, and so that makes some sense with all of these different elements. I go to prepare a place in my father's house, come back to take you with me. Uh, we think of that biblical picture of the church as the bride of Christ. Why is this a favorite funeral text? You know, it's a favorite funeral text for preachers because it's easy. All the applications are right there. Let not your heart be troubled. Are people troubled at a funeral? Always. And what is the solution to that trouble? Grandma or grandpa now has what Jesus promised him. Uh, in my father's house are many rooms. Go to prepare a place for you. Grandpa has what God promised. And I always make the connection to the disciples. Yes, they were troubled. More trouble was to come. That's what I was talking about on Sunday. What, with the exception of John himself and Judas. What happened to the other ten? They all were martyred because they were proclaiming the gospel. And so to them, Jesus is saying, do not let your heart be troubled. I go to prepare a place for you. Whatever happens, this is how it ends up. from verse 4. You know where I am going and you know the way. Lord, we don't know where you are going, Thomas replied, so how can we know the way? Okay, let's pick on Thomas for a while. We heard Thomas speak once before. Do you remember when that was? 
uh, when Jesus was going to Jerusalem. Okay, this is right before Lazarus. Right. And uh, people were picking up rocks, getting ready to stone Jesus, and then he retreated uh, to where John had been baptizing. And then he gets the message. Lord, your friend Lazarus is sick. And then Jesus says, I'm going to go back and wake him up. And somebody says, teacher, you don't want to go down there. Last time they tried to stone you. And so then Jesus goes and then Thomas says, let's go with the teacher so that we may die with him. Uh, kind of pessimistic. And then here, we've, Jesus says, you know the way where I am going. And then Thomas says, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Well, this is doubting Thomas. And the, same? Well, yeah, he's not doubting Thomas. No, yet. no, but I mean, he's the same. This is the same Thomas. Because there was so, two Thomases, right? No, just one. I mean, in, in, as far as disciples. Yeah, just one Thomas. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, the two Thomases, there's, there is a theory about that. Thomas's name means twin. And so when we get to that part of scripture, we'll talk about that. Uh, but uh, anyway, now looking ahead, this is quite a few chapters ahead, but only a few days ahead. Then what's Thomas going to be saying? Unless I see the nail prints in his hands and feet and put my finger where the nails were, I won't believe it. Uh, so we talk about Thomas as being the doubter. As I was thinking of these three things. Lord, last time they picked up rocks and were ready to stone you, let's go to Jerusalem so that we may die with him. And then, Lord, we don't know the way. And then, unless I see the nail prints and all of that, it is doubt. But isn't it looking at everything from purely an earthly viewpoint. That Jesus says, I got to go and go back to Judea and complete my work. And uh, well, we can go and we'll die with him. Uh, and Jesus is talking about, uh, I'm going to prepare a place for you and you know the way and he, he looks at it from an earthly viewpoint. Way to where? Way to what? And we've seen the Lord and it's like dead people don't rise. Um, I have to see the nail prints in his hands. Uh, the theory about Thomas is that because his name also means twin is that Sometimes twins are known for playing tricks on people. That, uh, that wasn't me, that was my evil twin brother Skippy, you know. Uh, 
And so when he hears the disciples saying, we have seen the Lord, uh, he's thinking, ah. It's kind of extreme, but I, he's, he's thinking, maybe, maybe Jesus is playing the twin trick. Maybe Jesus has a twin brother. That's the theory behind Thomas and, and maybe Thomas being a twin. But we'll save that for when we get to the Easter account. So, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Uh, we've had we've had this another theme that, that we've had again and again is the cluelessness of the disciples. And here that is again. We don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you knew, know me, you would also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Okay. Think of those three main words in verse 6. I am the way. And think of uh, what had Jesus just been talking about? Afterlife. Yeah, an afterlife. And Away to my father's house. Uh, uh, how do we get there? Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. Be like Pontius Pilate and say, what is truth? What does it mean that Jesus says he's the truth? He is the Lord, and the things he has promised is the truth. Okay. Uh, yeah. the, the word truth has really taken a beating in our time. Uh, and I think I've told this story before. Raise your hand if you recognize the story about the, the guy who wrote the bad book that I brought the other night. Uh, when bad things happen to good people. He was being interviewed by Barbara Walters on 2020. Uh, uh, Rabbi Kushner. And Barbara Walters asked him, uh, this is a spiritual book. And so she said, so do you believe the Bible is true? And he said, oh, yes, it's truer than the stuff you read in the daily paper. And then she asked him, by that, do you mean that you believe that the children of Israel walked through the Red Sea and Jonah got swallowed by a whale and all those other things? And he said, why, of course not. By true and truth, he was saying, there are spiritual truths there that you can draw from. He did not mean these things really happened. 
And when we say the Bible is true, we mean these things really happen. The spiritual truth disappears completely if it didn't really happen. Uh, when Jesus says, I am the truth, uh, well, think of John's themes of light and darkness. Uh, what, what things are in that, that concept of darkness? Maybe could connect that to, to truth. What's what's the opposite of truth? Darkness is the devil and lies. Yeah, lies, deception, uh, bait and switch. And Jesus says, "I am the truth." Does Jesus lay everything out there for us? Maybe he doesn't tell us everything we want to know, but he tells us everything that we need to know. And he's not telling us that he's something that he isn't. I am the truth. Uh, I am the life. Oh, that gives me a link forward to something that Jesus is going to say about vines and branches. Vine, you are the branches. If a person remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you will do nothing. Uh, I am the life, source of life. Uh, very often I, I find myself talking about <clears throat> life and death words in the Bible are talking about more than just life and death. They're talking about a connection to God. Uh, just like Adam and Eve, the day you eat from the tree, you will surely die. They didn't fall over dead at the moment. But the connection did. <coughs> so I am the way, the truth, and the life. way to God, the way to eternal life, the truth, everything is, is clear and open to you, and the life, source of life, connection to life. And then Jesus is exclusive. No one comes to the Father except through me. What was the Pharisees' idea about finding our way to God. And they had to keep the law. Yeah, keep the law, keep the law with exactness and precision, every last minutia of the law. Uh, that's probably the true meaning of you, you diligently search the scriptures because you think you find eternal life in them. But these are the scriptures that tell, testify about me. Uh, so uh, because they were making their own way, 
lost the way. Somebody once said uh, that there are only two paths to heaven. One is through Jesus. The other is do it yourself. And can you? No. Uh, and that every false religion can ultimately be boiled down to do it yourself keeping of a law or a system of laws. Uh, and Jesus says, you come to the Father through me. That's what Christ alone means and that's what grace alone means. Verse 7, Jesus says, if you know me, you would also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Uh, on our what to look for uh, sheet, I'm going to go to uh, other scriptures, parallels, near parallels, similar sections. Does Do these verses remind you of anything in the Gospel of John that we've seen already? If you knew me, you would also know my Father. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Oh, it was right after he talked about himself as the Good Shepherd, and he said, I am the Father. are one. Um, and then going back to chapter one, no one has seen God, but God the one and only who has come from the Father has made him known. Uh, if you knew me, you would also know my Father. Uh, with his life, with his work, oh, this is Jesus talking about glorifying his Father and, and receiving glory from his Father. And as he's teaching, he's glorifying his Father, making his Father known, doing the will of the one who sent him. Uh, from now on you do know him and have seen him. And remember one of our themes that we've got that, that keeps coming back is kind of the cluelessness of the disciples, even though Jesus is teaching them anyway. Uh, Lord said, Philip, show us the Father and that is enough for us. Have I been with you so long, Jesus answered, and you still do not know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I am telling you, I am not speaking on my own, but the Father who remains in me is doing his works. 
Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe because of the works themselves. What's happening with Philip? I often think of, the Tom, of Thomas as the one who wants to see some kind of proof, but what about Philip? wants to see something. And Jesus is, is telling them, you've already been seeing mighty works, words of love, uh, revelation of the, the deep mysteries of God, and then he says, I want to see the Father. Uh, and Jesus says, it's back to that theme of I and the Father are one. Uh, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Uh, and then we have that theme, I'm here to do the will of him who sent me. I'm not speaking on my own. The Father who remains in me is doing his work. Uh, and then we have, the remember, the purpose of miracles. First purpose was to help somebody in need. The second purpose was... Show his divinity. Yeah. Show his divinity, like the end of the wedding of Cana. He thus revealed his glory. Uh, believe in me. Believe because of the works. That's talking about the miracles. Uh, then verse 12. Uh, Amen, amen, I tell you, the one who believes in me will do the works that I am doing, and he will do even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. Verse 12, Jesus tells his disciples, uh, if you believe in me, you will do even greater works than these. Uh, how would the disciples be doing greater works than Jesus had been doing? In his whole ministry, how much ground did he cover? Just that 70 mile area from Galilee to Judea. Where did Peter go? Turkey, Greece. Yeah. Turkey and Greece, we're pretty sure. Uh, how much did Jesus write? The only re record of him writing anything was when this woman was about to be stoned and he's doodling on the ground. Uh, that's the only record of Jesus writing anything. Uh, what did Peter write? 
two letters. What did uh, Matthew write? Uh, 28 chapters of the gospel. Uh, Peter may have dictated uh, 16 chapters of Mark. Uh, and John wrote his gospel in three letters. Uh, and they reached out to the whole world. And in that sense, Jesus' disciples reached out and did greater things in that sense than Jesus himself did. Uh, more expansive. Uh, not necessarily better. Uh, the disciples did miracles too for the same reason, to show what they were saying was true Then, verses 13 and 14, I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. In uh, many of our prayers, we, end, we ask this in Jesus' name. Or in the, the liturgical phrase is, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, what does that mean? We ask for things in Jesus' name. We yourself can do nothing, but if we, Christ can do anything. Yeah. And... I see this as being connected to, I am the way, uh, rather than you try to make your own way. Remember Jesus' parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector. And what was the Pharisee's prayer like, and how was he trying to make his own way to get it, getting his prayer answered? He was listing everything he had done. Yeah. God, I thank you I'm not like other people. Murderers, adulterers, thieves, cheats. And especially I thank you I'm not like that tax collector over there. And the tax collector was relying on God's mercy alone. God have mercy on me, a sinner. Uh, the Pharisee was pretty much praying in his own name. God, you've got to do this for me because I've been so good to you. Uh, and if we ever approach God in that way, he can laugh and say, yeah, and I remember other times too. You haven't always been that good. I remember those too. But if we point to Christ and say, for this reason, listen to my prayer. Uh, then he has reason. Uh, then, going on to 15. Now Jesus is looking ahead. 
preparing his disciples for things that are happening. At the same time, we've got that problem of the cluelessness of the disciples. They don't always get it. Sometimes they get it later. Uh, but a lot of times they've got this problem of cluelessness. Uh, Jesus is preparing them for everything that's going to, to come. And Jesus is also looking ahead to Pentecost. After his ascension, he sends the Holy Spirit. Uh, if you love me, hold on to my commands. I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. You know him because he stays with you and will be with you. Jesus connects love to obedience. Uh, something somebody in the Wednesday class talked about. Uh, Wednesday class, we're falling way behind. We haven't even gotten to chapter 13 yet. Uh, but we, we got to one part and we're, we're talking about the, the phrase uh, holding on to my word uh, and somebody noticed some translations use the word obey there but a little more literally it's you, you hold on to We hold it as true. Sometimes we stumble with it, but we hold on to it. Uh, if you love me, hold on to my commands. Uh, this will come up again later uh, when we get to verse 21. Jesus expands on that. Now he promises the Holy Spirit. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Um, this is one of those words that has some history to it. Uh, some translations use the word comforter. Uh, and I think that was uh, in German. Luther used the word traster. Remember Trostenhaus? Uh, it means comfort house uh, on the south side. Uh, the Holy Spirit is comforter, uh, counselor. Um, I think the newer edition of the NIV has advocate. Uh, the New King James Version, I think, has helper. So comforter, counselor, advocate, helper. Uh, ready for the $10 word of the night? Or a little Greek? Greek to me. Sure. <laughs> Paraclete, and it does not mean two potato dumplings. 
our family had a tradition when my grandmother and her sister would get together, they would make potato dumplings and they called them cleat. Uh, and uh, they were the dullest food in the world, but they were delicious. Uh, that's not what this is. Uh, the, uh, the word paraclete in Greek uh, comes from the, the Greek word kaleo, which means to call. Ecclesia, the word for church, has that same, if you see the CL there, it, that's the kaleo root, uh, means to call. So paraclete means somebody called to your side, alongside, parallel. Uh, so somebody called to be at your side. Uh, church, or the word for church, ecclesia, that means a group that is called out. Uh, so the word here that's used as counselor or comforter or advocate or helper, uh, that's paraclete or parakletos in Greek. Somebody called to be at your side. Um, and so it's, is, there's not really one word that can really capture that. Uh, can somebody called to be at your side be a comfort to you? Absolutely. Uh, counselor. Uh, that is, is probably used uh, in the legal sense. Sometimes a lawyer is called a counselor. Uh, advocate is, is also in the legal sense. Uh, if you're called into court and may be accused of something, you want a good lawyer sitting next to you to whisper in your ear, this is what's happening. This is what you need to say to the judge. Uh, this is something that would be unwise to do at this time. That kind of counselor, uh, that kind of an advocate. Uh, so that's why different translations of the Bible, they have uh, a few different words in this place. But counselor seems to be as good as any. Uh, in the next paragraph, Jesus is going to talk about the disciples being alone or feeling alone. And the answer to that is the Spirit called to be at your side so that you're never really alone. Uh, remember we had Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. In verse 17, what does Jesus call the Holy Spirit? Truth. Spirit of truth. And because our world is so shifty, what's the world's reaction to the Spirit of truth?
can't, it can't, what is it? It says, see him or know him. Yeah, the, the, the world doesn't see him or know him uh, because they can't, uh, uh, can't receive him. And I see this as being very close to what we've been talking about with hardness of heart. The truth can be displayed right in front of somebody and if they're not holding to the truth or they don't want the truth, if the king of Egypt thinks he's a god himself, he's going to throw spirit, spears at that pillar of fire, isn't he? Uh, even though that's the truth, the power of God is working against you, uh, he's going to fight against it. Even though the truth is there for everyone to see, Jesus is displaying the power of God by driving out demons and making the blind see and making the lame walk. And that truth is rejected even though it's obvious. Uh, but Jesus then turns to his disciples and says, you know, because he stays with you and will be with you. Uh, something about uh, the cluelessness of the disciples before and then the, the boldness of the disciples after, uh, after Pentecost. It seems that Jesus kept his disciples kind of clueless didn't give them the, the, the full measure of the Spirit until he was gone. Uh, and so Jesus says, these things aren't going to happen until I go. Uh, and that now Jesus was that one called to be at their side, and then later it was the Holy Spirit was going to do the same thing. <clears throat> Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. Uh, in a little while, the world will see me no longer, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. The one who has my commands and holds on to them is the one who loves me. One who loves me will be loved by my Father. I too will love him and show myself to him. Uh, well, we have that theme of the disciples being alone. I'm not leaving you like orphans. I'm coming to you. In a little while the world will see me no longer, but you will see me. Uh, did the risen Christ appear to the chief priests or to the Pharisees? No. Uh, he appeared, appeared to his disciples. The world will not see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. 
Okay, this is Thursday night. Uh, what's going to happen Friday? It's going to be crucified. Yeah. And if the disciples remember this short phrase, when they know that Jesus is dead, might be troubling for them, uh, especially if they're stuck in clueless mode, which they seem to be. Uh, and then when they see Jesus, if they remember this short phrase, then that's going to be that much more joy, because I live, you also will live. Uh, verse 20 is something beyond understanding. It's the, the indwelling of Christ. Uh, this is something called the mystic union. Uh, I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. I see this as being very close to what we often talk about with the kingdom of God, the rule of God, we hear his word, and then it changes us. And his word does its work in our hearts. And that's how God rules within us. And uh, I am in my Father, you in me, I in you. Uh, if we have his word, we are never alone. Uh, and the more of his word that we have, the more we read it and the more we hear it, the more of it will come to mind. Uh, that's the work of the Spirit, too. That's the indwelling of Christ, too. Judas, not Iscariot, you got to love the parentheses, making a point of telling us not Judas Iscariot. Uh, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what has happened that you're going to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will hold on to my word. My father will love him, we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who does not love me does not hold on to my words. The word that you are hearing is not mine, but it is from the Father who sent me. There we have that uh, theme of obedience and holding on to the word connected with love. Think of Jesus' description of the last judgment. King will say to those on his right hand, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, because I was a 
hungry and you gave me food, thirsty and you gave me to drink, lonely, sick, in prison, you came to see me. Lord, when did we see all of these things? When did we do these things? Whatever you have done for one of the least of these, you've done for me. And then the others. Depart from me, you who are cursed. For I was hungry and you did not give me food. Thirsty you did not give me to drink. Lord, what did we not do these things? Whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Uh, that we are saved by faith, but as we live our faith and we hold on to his word and his teaching, that affects our actions. Somebody said it this way, we're, we're saved by faith alone, but faith is never, never remains alone. Faith shows itself. Yeah. Where did this Judas come from? Uh, I think this other Judas, some of the disciples had several names. And I think that this one may be the one also known as Thaddeus. Uh, but that there were a number of disciples. Uh, Matthew was also known as Levi. Uh, this Judas may have been also known as Thaddeus. Judas, think of the Hebrew name Judah. Uh, in Greek, they like to put S's on names that end with a vowel to make them sound more masculine. Uh, and so that's why Judas has an S on it. That's the same, it's the Hebrew name Judah. And because there was still the Judea, it was still a tribe, there were, Judah was probably still a common name. Uh, that's, that's the reason why Solomon has an N on it, even though in Hebrew his name is Shalomo. It's because in Greek, you can't end a masculine name with a vowel. Little linguistic trivia for for tonight, uh, and that's why Jesus in Hebrew would would have been Yeshua, and you can't end a Greek name with a vowel or a Greek masculine name with a vowel, so they throw an S on it, so it becomes Jesus in Greek. So uh, anyway. His name was probably just plain Judah, and then coming through Greek Judas, uh, probably the same person as that Thaddeus. Um, okay. 
Then, verse 25, and I think we'll save 27 because that's another one of these golden passages. We'll save 27 for next time. Uh, Jesus says, I have told you these things while staying with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I told you. This reminds me of the doctrine of inspiration. Uh, how did John remember all of these things that we find in his book? He had his memory to go on, but he had something more than his memory to go on, didn't he? Uh, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Uh, or Luke. Uh, we're pretty sure Luke was not among the twelve, but Luke gathered things from different sources and talked to different people. And put his gospel together, that's the work of the Holy Spirit too. Uh, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I taught you. So that's part of the doctrine of inspiration too. All right, any questions on anything that we covered so far tonight? can be a quiet group. Don't be shy. Isn't that something teachers always say? Is the only dumb question is the one you don't ask. Be sure to ask. All right. We'll pick it up with peace I leave with you. We'll pick it up there next time. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, just as you told your disciples not to let their hearts be troubled, calm our troubled hearts too. And give us the strength of your Holy Spirit and let him remind us of all the things that you've already taught us so that we can be firm in the faith, trusting in the midst of trouble, and ready to speak your praise.